Welcome to the Planning for the Certainty of Uncertainty podcast with Jonathan Cutton, Private Wealth Advisor, 2019 Barron's Hall of Fame Advisor. Awarded to advisors who have, for 10 years, been on one or more of Barron's top 100 financial advisor lists. 2022 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor and CEO of Cutton Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC. This podcast offers a broad range of financial planning concepts to help you and your loved ones live brilliantly now and into the future. Jonathan will provide you with concepts that bring you confidence, simplicity, and success on your journey to financial and retirement security. Join us as we explore ways to help you feel more assured, connected, and in control of your financial life. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Planning for the Certainty of Uncertainty podcast. I am your host, Matt Hallard. I have John and Aaron on today. We are going to be doing a two-part mini-series about the common financial myths and misconceptions. Now, these came from the masses, and I want to preface that by saying that there are some of these things that might not be myths and misconceptions, but socially and generally, they are talked about on a regular basis. And I can't thank both of you enough for being on the show. So thanks for being here, guys. Happy to be here, Matt. I get to be with my old friend, Mr. Aaron Shankman, which uh, I'm looking forward to. So from the audience's perspective, Aaron and I have been friends and business partners. What year did we meet, Aaron? I don't was it. I want to say 1995. Yes. 1995. Now, video is not on, but you would all be wondering how we possibly have been doing this since 1995 because <laughs> we've uh, we've weathered at least one of us has weathered quite well. <laughs> very true you know that was the 1900s guys just to put that into perspective how long ago 1995 was all it right was, man. <laughs> let's dive into these the first one is i'll make less money if i get a raise into a higher tax bracket well i'll give that one to my friend who has an accounting background first and i'll probably play devil's advocate of whatever he says Aaron. Interestingly enough, John, I was going to take that one. So thank you. I I would say that there is a definitely a misconception around tax brackets uh, as it relates to the way our tax system is set up in the United States. And our tax system is a progressive tax system, which is why there are tax brackets. So based on how much your taxable income is, is what you will be paying as a percentage to the U.S. government uh, for federal taxes. And then as you move into these different levels, uh, you pay more. So what everybody forgets, to me, the biggest one is that once you're in another tax bracket, it doesn't mean that all of your money is taxed at that level. You, Like I mentioned, it's progressive. So just because you jumped over into the next tax bracket, it means a certain portion of your money may be taxed inside of that higher bracket. But uh, one of the things and one of the strategies that I uh, more commonly see now is is taking taxable income up to a level so that you don't go into another tax bracket. Well said, Aaron. I'm glad you took that one because you were way more detailed than I would be. So well done. I would share... My, my thought would be good problem to have for most of us. More money is generally good. And this is where I think tax planning in general 
um, can have an impact, right? So while true, you might pay more taxes progressively as Aaron shared, it also now gives you the ability to earn more income, which gives you the ability maybe to make a larger contribution to your qualified retirement plan or to take a, a tax loss on an investment or to make more of a charitable contribution. So what I found is the larger your income stream, the more benefit that you can actually have by being proactive in your tax planning, which is uh, our listeners know, you know, part of our process is to actually have a proactive tax planning meeting. And that's where multidisciplinary financial planning advice makes sense, where your financial advisor, your CPA, in many cases, your estate and elder care attorney can all kind of work together in tandem and make sure that all of the different areas of your financial life are considered. All right. The next myth and misconception, and this is wildly applicable today, especially for you know a lot of the clients that you all have who have children who are not able to purchase a house because of interest rates or whatever. The myth or misconception is renting is a waste of money. Who's going to take that one? I'll take that one for uh, $50, Alex. Uh, was, was it Alex? Is that who it was? <laughs> yes. Who was the game was show the, host? Yeah, it was Alex, yeah. Alex, was yes. Alex. Okay. Uh, $50 wouldn't be enough. For $500? Uh, there you go. Okay, thank you. I'll take a first stab at that, and then, Aaron, you could uh, you know, land the plane, so to speak. You got it. So, you know, I, I think there's different phases of life, right, where renting a home could be a good thing or could be not such a good thing. So, you know, Matt, you bring up a good point when you think about today's environment with where home prices are, with where interest rates are, it, it could in today's marketplace actually make sense, um, particularly for a younger person who might struggle uh, with those level of payments to not necessarily be a buyer of a home today, be a renter while they wait for interest rates to come down potentially, home prices to come down potentially, or whether they're just in a better position to ultimately be a buyer and have a more opportunistic situation to do that. On the other hand, so, so as a rule of thumb, I, what I would say is generally, if you've got a longer time frame, buying historically makes sense. Real estate generally appreciates, although not guaranteed. There's tax benefits of owning a home, whether it be interest rate deductibility, real estate tax deductibility, check with your accountant, but things along those lines. Now, the flip side, and I'll let Aaron take this one away, is sometimes for clients who are closer to retirement or in retirement, when they ultimately look at their nest egg, their biggest asset or one of their largest assets could actually be the proceeds from the real estate that they've owned for their entire life and the ability to turn that into a stream of income based on their life expectancy, et cetera, could be an interesting time where you do consider renting uh, and actually use the equity that you've accumulated over a long period of time to supplement uh, your portfolio from a retirement perspective. So I'll give you a softball there, Mr. Shankman. Thanks, John. After 30, close to 30 years of working together, it appears that we have the ability to utilize telepathy because that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. When you look at someone approaching uh, what we call pre-retirement or when they're in retirement, a significant part of their net worth may very well be 
the real assets that they have, in this case, uh, their home, their primary residence. And very often I find in working with clients, it may very well make sense to capitalize the value of that home, especially with home prices being what they are over the last 10, 15 or 20 years and utilize those assets to now generate maybe another stream of income or to provide liquidity for additional retirement needs or desires that people may have. So couldn't agree with you more early on when you're younger. Unfortunately, we're in a a more aggressive or higher level of interest rate environment, which is affecting uh, younger people's ability to buy homes. But Overall, it's it's probably exactly the course of uh, or the path that you may have mentioned is you 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 buy when you're younger and possibly capitalize the value of that real estate when you're older. Yeah, well well said. I'd say you know the other piece to just consider is today's environment with interest rates being higher. Right, the cash. This is for more of a retirement minded person. But the cash that you can create from the equity in your home by selling it and then renting, because right now you can get a better than, let's say, the last 10 or 15 years, right, a better yield, right, or coupon rate on fixed income right now. You've kind of got this interesting thing that is going on. Uh, thing is an official word, by the way, for our listeners, a thing. But you've got you got this, this different thing going on where you've got appreciated historic real estate prices, and then you've got a pretty good interest rate environment where you can get a pretty good yield on fairly conservative investments. That coupled with, and and, you know, I wanna hit this one as well. We could go a little deeper here. You know, when you think about retirement planning, most historically, and when you look at data, have accumulated most of their retirement savings inside of a retirement plan like a 401k or a traditional ira or you know 403b so on etc and when they start to derive income in the access phase of their retirement from their ira or retirement plan portfolio we know that generally that's going to be taxed as ordinary income because the contributions were generally made on a pre-tax basis and when you have equity in a home Although if you sold it, you could be and likely would be subject to a capital gain tax, talk to your tax advisor, but you now have after-tax money to derive income from. And I know, Aaron, one of the things you do in your practice a lot is help advise clients around managing their tax bracket and their tax rate and the taxability of Social Security, et cetera, once they get into retirement. So let's, let's nerd out on that one a little bit. For sure. And when I think about that, John, I think about what we call people being retirement rich, right? So you articulated someone having the vast majority of their assets and what we call qualified assets or pre-tax dollars. And it's so true. The vast majority of clients and new introductions that we see to new, new clients all have uh, the vast majority of their money in in pre-tax assets. It's the ones that have the balance in after-tax, what we call non-qualified assets with qualified assets that have the freedom uh, and to uh, expand and, and meet their retirement needs throughout the course of their life because they're not 
tied to the government on every dollar that they utilize going forward. So I couldn't agree with you more. I thought you would agree with me. I think uh, it, it's something for our listeners. And then, Matt, I'll, I'll hand it back to you. But, um, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about as as advisors, right, and trying to be the most relevant advisor to our clients uh, is it's not just about getting the best rate of return, right, or deciding whether you buy a house or rent a house or apartment, et cetera. It's about all of those pieces together. It's like a puzzle, right? And understanding you as the client to take the best advantage of the opportunities that are specific to you and your situation. Um, so it's not a one size fits all, uh, but as we get to know our clients, these kind of answers start to reveal themselves as we learn the fact pattern about their situation. Well, maybe this will uh, uh, have you guys throw off the gloves and go go toe to toe, uh, which is cash is king. All right. Who wants to take cash as king as a myth and misconception? Ooh, you could take either side, Aaron. We'll go age before beauty on this one. I will take cash is king. So cash is king. Liquidity is one of the things that's really really important to people i actually find that older generations value that much more than younger generations in the planning that i do with clients and liquidity and the ability to get to your money is paramount so one of the things that i found over time is that liquidity and the ability for someone to utilize their money when they want or need it is one of the most important characteristics to investors. Whew, well said. So I don't know that I want to take the other side because I actually agree. So I don't think that is a myth or a misconception. I think that's actually, you know, for the most part, reality, right? I, I agree. Cash is king. Um, and I think there's a fallacy or a misconception out there that uh, clients believe, or I'd say Americans believe many, one or two extremes. One is put everything in the stock market or the bond market or investments because you need to outpace inflation and get a great rate of return, right? And the only way to be successful financially is to do that. And then I think you have the flip side, right, which is, keep it all under the mattress and we're afraid of the economy and you, you know, you're much more risk averse. And I think what it really comes down to is prudent planning would say, be diversified, understand your goals, understand your risk tolerance, understand tax consequences, build a diversified portfolio and have liquidity, have cash set aside for a rainy day. You know, we talk a lot about the title of this podcast and our tagline, which is helping clients plan for the certainty of uncertainty. It's certain that markets will go up. It's certain that markets will go down. And what we want to make sure of is that there's ample liquidity and cash available when you as a client needs access to your capital. And, you know, if you've got streams of income and you're less reliant on your portfolio, as a rule of thumb, having a little less cash might be prudent, might be acceptable, right? If you rely on your portfolio for your income or you're a business owner or a salesperson and have variability to your income, having access to more and more cash, in my opinion, makes a lot of sense. So 
Rule of thumb, no less than six months of committed expenses. In many cases, we advise clients to have as much as three years of committed expenses sitting in a liquid position. The only other thing I would share is a lot of times, you know, depending on the environment we're in from an interest rate perspective, building different tiers of cash makes sense. So it doesn't mean everything needs to sit in your local bank account. Cash could mean true liquidity, but it could also have staggered CDs, treasuries, investments that are very liquid. I'm, I'm going to follow that train of thought with it, with this next myth and misconception, which is I should exit the market when it's doing poorly slash it's going to zero. <laughs> I'm sorry. I giggle at the whole it's going to zero thing. But but what, let's talk about that, guys. I mean, it, it, John, you just set that up perfectly, which is why I wanted to walk through that door. So let's let's go ahead and, and, and let's let's dive into that. What do, what do you guys think about that? Can I go first this time, Aaron? Please do, John. So, um, you know, we we've talked in past episodes about emotional competency, right? Behavioral finance and you know, study after study has been done that it's actually performance is more about time in the market than timing the market, right? And there's a whole bunch of data that I won't actually quote here because I don't have it readily available, um, but it's really about building the right diversified portfolio. It's about sticking with that over a long period of time. And it's actually about taking advantage of rebalancing opportunities to stay within your prescribed asset allocation. And believe it or not, Matt, it's really more about doing the opposite of what is intuitive for a lot of people has been my long-term belief as a financial advisor. What do I mean when I say that? Warren Buffett has a great famous saying, and um, I've done public speaking for a long time, and I use Warren's uh, Mr. Buffett, that is. I don't know that I can call him Warren, but I use Mr. Buffett saying uh, a lot, which is when you have the proof, you don't have the price. And when you have the price, you don't have the proof. What does that mean? It means when the economy is rough and inflation is high and markets are not doing very well, you don't have the proof that things are going to get better. But you do have a lower price historically right, where you can buy a share of a company or a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund at a price that's less expensive than it might have been six months, a year, two years, three years ago. The flip side of that is when everything is rosy and the economy is chugging along and everything's under control and things are good, generally the market, the, the, the pricing, pricing mechanism, which is the market, actually the prices of those same stocks or bonds or mutual funds or ETFs are a little bit higher. So you have the proof, but you don't have an attractive price. Um, so the way that I look at it is if, the, if, if, if as an investor, you've built the right strategy and you're committed to that strategy, continuing to rebalance and take advantage of the inefficiencies in the market historically has proven more often than not, while not guaranteed, to you know to be in a position that you can kind of weather that storm and be a little bit more opportunistic. Aaron, the you only want to add I anything would, to that? Yeah. Uh, the only thing I would add to that is while we're quoting, as John says, Mr. Buffett, that 
and this relates to the emotional components of this, you know, question or issue is when there is fear in the market, be greedy. And when there is greed in the market, be fearful. And it's really speaks to the exact same issues or a lack of emotional competence as being an investor that John was articulating so well. Now, we've just we're, we're flowing far and away too well here because i'm sure that there are a lot of people who totally want to take advantage of things they want to rush in when everybody's rushing out but there are people who fundamentally believe i don't have enough money to invest take it away what i would say matt is um everybody has to start somewhere right and you know ultimately my belief is americans many believe that they are not worthy of good sound financial planning advice and investment advice and therefore they never get started right and everybody starts somewhere i know from our perspective we're happy to give advice and help absolutely anyone who is interested in learning more it's why we do this podcast right and ultimately it's about starting somewhere and even uncle warren buffett right not really my uncle by the way um but started with nothing at some point everybody started somewhere and one of the things the best advice matt that i probably ever got was in 1994 um when i first started working for what was then ids financial services which of course now is is ameriprise financial and my leader back then made a suggestion and he said two things to me. One is he said, the most important part of building wealth is remembering to pay yourself first. Simple rule, pay yourself first, right? So if you're a young person or you're, you have a grandchild or a child, if you can teach that young person how to start putting away, even if it's $25 per month, right? And then build upon that to 50 and then 100 and so on, et cetera. Pay yourself first. And after you've saved for your own future, then live your life and do your things and have your discretionary expenses. And the second piece of advice the same person gave me was aspire, right? To save 20% of your gross revenue, right? Say 20% of your income and as your income grows, your level of savings will grow. Hopefully you get pay raises and you grow your career, et cetera. The biggest mistake that young people make is waiting to actually begin paying them for themselves first and save for their future. Anything to add there, Mr. Shankman? The only thing I would add is that because that was even though john was out of turn there he did a terrific job <laughs> I, I knew is, i could get that one right so i just figured i might as well take a softball when i knew the answer to it smart the only thing i would add is that we can help anyone who has identifiable goals i want to save for a house i want to educate my children i want to protect my family i want to retire someday and many other goals those are the things that we can help people do really well. So if you have defined goals, then it doesn't really matter how much money you have, you're, you're already thinking the right way. 
All right, guys, we are going to do one last on this part, one of the two-part miniseries. And this is where I'm going to give you guys some time and space uh, because this is the one that I think so many people are talking about right now that it's vital for you guys to wrap up this part one of this two-part miniseries on common financial myths and misconceptions, which is I don't need to save for retirement yet. It's too far away. John, again, even though you went out of turn, you teed me up for that one really well. But I'm going to Aaron first. Aaron, how do you answer this? That is, without question, a very common misconception. And what I would say there is that if you look at any mathematical rules, any charts, tables around the impact of saving money early on for a goal that may be 15, 20, 40 years away, the impact of compounded returns is incredible from a mathematical perspective. And I think the common misconception there is that people believe that I'm 25 or 30 years old. I don't really need to start saving for retirement. I'm going to live on what I have today to support all the things I'm trying to do today. But even that $25 a month or $50 a month contribution to their retirement plan, bank account, brokerage account, et cetera, goes a very, very long way. And the evidence is in the actual data and the calculations of doing that. Uh, I don't have those calculations available to me right now. But if you look at the impact of someone who starts saving at 25 versus 30, and and so on it is incredible the impact of compounded returns over an extended period of time how much more money someone will have in the future well said um i've i've heard that compounding is the eighth wonder of the world and it's true right Com compounding as you said aaron it's where it's at you know, one, one of the things, Matt, and to our listeners that we do, we've got about 18 or 20 interns right now uh, for the summer working inside of our organization nationally. And one of the first projects we give them is to do a project that actually shows if their starting salary out of college was $60,000 per year, and they saved 20% of their income until they were 65 years old. And they got, they can choose the number between a six and a 9% long-term rate of return, hypothetically, how much money would they have by the time they were 65 years old? And then we ask them after they do that calculation, we ask them to wait until they were 31 years old, 10 years later, and to do the exact same thing and to Aaron's point, I don't have the data in front of me, but it's millions of dollars of differential called the cost of waiting, right? So, um, you know, to our listeners, not all of you are young people, right? But you know young people. And one of the pieces that I think is really important and um, a, bi a big part of what Aaron and I and the rest of the advisors inside of Cut and Wealth Management strive to do one of our core values is family. And when someone's a client, we believe their extended family is part of the folks that we actually have an impact on. So a lot of times what we'll do for our clients is we'll, we'll talk to their children or we'll talk to their grandchildren. 
Um, and I would take this little part of our podcast as an example and ask your grandson or granddaughter or child uh, to give it a listen because that little difference is how you change the outcome and the circumstances of your next generation by having them be more educated and, and more equipped to make decisions than maybe I was or Aaron was, or you may have been as a listener. So I think, uh, I think it's a great one to end on that. And um, it's, the, it's the eighth wonder of the world, really important. And if you're truly going to plan for the certainty of uncertainty, one of the things that you have to do is change your mindset and your perception on things that are commonly and widely held beliefs that are just flat out not true. We're going to continue this with common financial myths and misconceptions with John Cotton and Aaron Shankman here in part two in a minute. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to the Planning for the Certainty of Uncertainty podcast with Jonathan Cutton, Private Wealth Advisor, 2019 Barron's Hall of Fame Advisor, 2022 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor. Cutton Wealth Management offers comprehensive financial advice and a broad range of solutions to help you and your loved ones live brilliantly now and in the future. Have questions? Contact us at Cutton Wealth Management at ampf.com or give us a call at 800-455-4595. Don't forget to click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This podcast provides general information, is not intended to provide investment advice, and does not account for individual investor circumstances. Investment decisions should always be made based on an investor's specific circumstances. Neither past performance nor any forecast guarantees future results. Investment products are not insured by the FDIC, NCUA, or any federal agency, are not deposits or obligations of or guaranteed by any financial institution, and involve investment risks, including possible loss of principal and fluctuation in value. Ameriprise Financial does not offer tax or legal advice. Consult your tax advisor or attorney. Ameriprise Financial has not reviewed and does not endorse any other podcast channel or material. Barron's Hall of Fame advisors have been ranked for 10 or more years on one of the following lists. Barron's Top 100 Financial Advisors, Barron's Top 100 Women Financial Advisors, or Barron's Top 100 Independent Financial Advisors. Barron's generates its ranking from a formulaic analysis of surveys answered by candidates regarding assets, revenue, and quality of practice including an advisor's regulatory and compliance record. Barron's is a registered trademark of Dow Jones LP, all rights reserved. This award is not indicative of the advisor's future performance. Neither Ameriprise Financial nor its advisors pay a fee to Barron's in exchange for the ranking. The Forbes Top Women, Best in State Women, and Best in State Wealth Advisor rankings are developed by Shook Research and are created using an algorithm that includes both qualitative, in-person, virtual, and telephone due diligence meetings, client impact, industry experience, review of best practices and compliance records, and firm nominations, and quantitative, assets under management, and revenue generated for their firm's data. Certain awards include a demographic component to qualify. Investment performance is not a criterion because client objectives and risk tolerances vary, and advisors rarely have audited performance reports. These rankings are based on the opinions of Shook Research LLC, 
are not indicative of future performance or representative of any one client's experience and are based on data from the previous calendar year. Forbes Magazine and Shook Research do not receive compensation in exchange for placement on the ranking. For more information, www.shookresearch.com. Shook is a registered trademark of Shook Research, LLC. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Ameriprise Financial Advisors are individually registered to do business only in certain states. Please refer to an advisor's personal website for additional details. There are risks associated with fixed income investments, including credit risk, interest rate risk, and prepayment and extension risk. In general, bond prices rise when interest rates fall and vice versa. This effect is usually more pronounced for longer-term securities. Diversification and asset allocation do not assure a profit or protect against loss. The hypothetical rate of return is for illustration purposes only and is not meant to represent the past or future returns of any specific investment or investment strategy or to imply guaranteed earnings. This illustration does not reflect sales charges or other expenses that may be required for some investments. The views expressed here reflect the views of Aaron Shankman and John Cudden as of July 13, 2023. These views may change as market or other conditions change. Actual investments or investment decisions made by Ameriprise Financial and its affiliates, whether for its own account or on behalf of clients, will not necessarily reflect the views expressed. This information is not intended to provide investment advice and does not account for individual investor circumstances.